We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, Sean, now we're going to transition to our SEC predictions. Mm -hmm. This is a really fascinating year in the SEC because I still believe it's the two teams at the top. I I, I think we both agree that it's right now we still project sort of the same two teams at the top. But I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of different movement this year. I think there's going to be some surprises. There's going to be some teams, I think, kind of ascending that have been down for recent years or maybe aren't big teams, have gone through coaching chains. The SEC went through a lot of change the last couple of years. It did. I mean, did. Tennessee's got a new coach. Yeah. Florida's got a new coach. South Carolina's got a new coach. And I mean, the last two years, these have all happened. Missouri has a new coach. Vanderbilt has a new coach. Arkansas has a new coach. Uh, Mississippi State has a new coach who's what, going into his third year, mm-hmm. right? Um, LSU has a new coach. Auburn has a new coach. So you're talking about nine coaching changes within the last three years. Eight of those nine have happened in the last two years. So there's been a lot of change in the SEC, and I think it's going to be a real competitive year. I think that that, that we'll kind of get into the divisions. I think that there's at the top there's distance between one and everybody else in both divisions. It's yeah. my my belief. I don't know if you still if you believe that about Georgia yeah. or not. That's I my do. belief. I do. But underneath it, there's going to be a lot of competition and battles, yeah. and it reminds me a lot of like we talked about the Big Ten West a couple of weeks ago, Sean, where I could see a lot of different teams kind of moving around in the different divisions. So let's start off in the East, Sean. And we both believe Georgia is still going to be that team. I think the gap between them and everybody else was so great last year. They're not coming. They're coming down to earth a little bit. You lost 15 guys in the NFL, right? Yeah. But they're still the class of, of the conference. That's why you recruit elite classes every year. You don't rebuild. You just reload. And and I think that's what Georgia's doing in 2022. Yeah, you talk about rebuilding of not look, they only have 10 starters coming back, right? Sure. They lose they only guys had 15 like, coming back last year. Last year, right? But you know, you lose guys like Jordan Davis and Javon Walker, and you think to yourself, like, uh-oh, that defense might take a step back. Then you realize they still have Eric Gilbert and Brock Powers in the tight end room. They have Nolan Smith and Robert Bill, who you know flirted with Notre Dame for a little bit, eventually went to Georgia, coming off the edges. 
like you said, they just reload. They just reload on the fly. They lose one of the top. They lose lose Burton to Alabama, but they still have youngsters coming in that didn't play last year. They they expect them to step up, and they always have a stable running back. So nothing's changed. Look, the one thing I love the most about this team, other than Kirby Smart and this program, is Todd Munkin. And it goes back to what I hark to harken back to the point about Tommy Rees that I made about him having to comfort everything. Tom Monk, Todd Munkin is that comforting. He is the guy that when they lost guys, they lost Pickens early in the season. He was the one that said, okay, this is what we're going to do. And this is how we're going to be successful as an offense. And I feel like he's going to continue to do that. He's going to find a way for teams not to lock in on what they did last year and shut things down. I think he probably goes to a lot of two tight end sets, but he runs it differently. Mm-hmm. I still think they're going to use their running backs in the passing game. They're always going to be physical up front. Yeah. And this is something we've seen that's going to bode well for Notre Dame. When you have a, a rivalry or a war in fall camp between offensive and defensive lines, you feel pretty confident about your team going into the season. And Georgia usually has that. They might not have the premier names along the offensive line, but when they come out of practice going going up against that defense, they're battle-tested and they're ready. And so they're head and shoulders above everyone else. From a talent standpoint, I think it's going to take Florida maybe two recruiting cycles to get back in the mix from a talent standpoint. Of course, they're expecting big things from their young quarterback, they're expecting him to elevate the offense, mm-hmm. to elevate the team. That's a lot to put on his shoulders, but he is multifaceted and very talented. That's yeah. without question. Without question. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Kentucky, you talk right. Look, so FCC, hold on, hold on a second. So hold on yeah, a second. You're getting a little, you're getting ahead of me there. So Georgia's one, yeah. So Tennessee's two, in your Tennessee view, is right? Two. We okay. both agree on that. 
Correct. And Hendon Hooker, obviously, who you were just talking about, is a big reason for it. Mm -hmm. I also think they have a lot coming back on defense. And I think that was like last year, the focus was on fixing the offense. And they did that in a lot of different ways. And they battled some injuries at receiver late in the year, but I think it's going to benefit them. They have a lot of linemen coming back. Hendon Hooker's back. They have they've recruited well. I think this year's got to be about fixing the defense. And I think that's ultimately going to be the test for Tennessee. And and Sean, you know, we're going to kind of have like a and we'll talk about them as those teams come up, you know, sort of our who is that surprise that team that could surprise everybody this year? And then who's that team that's going to disappoint everybody this year? Yeah. Tennessee's the team that could surprise me because yeah. I'll say this. If Georgia kind of goes through what they went through last year, I don't think they're as built as well to sustain the kind of injuries they had last year because of how much they lost. They're like Notre Dame didn't lose much from their team last year. They right. lost some key players, but they didn't lose much. much. Yeah, and and Georgia lost a ton. Where they're not as prepared to handle losing their starting receiver, their star receiver this year. I agree, and, and those type of things. So, and Tennessee, I think, is just ascending. And we talked a lot about what Georgia lost offensively and defensively, player wise. But they lost Dan Lanning. They lost the receivers coach. They lost their O line coach. Like they yeah. lost a lot. Yeah. That could be the thing that could cause them to fall a little bit more than just their personnel. If anyone, in my opinion, is going to sneak up on Georgia this year, it will be Tennessee. And there's two mm-hmm. reasons why. I, they have a dynamic quarterback. I love Hendon Hooker. Yeah. And he can make plays with his legs. I think they have talent around him and all that kind of stuff. But the other part, too, is, is your schedule's got to be a part of that as well. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that helps Tennessee when you, when you kind of look at them. I was actually surprised they weren't getting more preseason love this year with how they played last year. Like the, I'm looking at Lindy's. They don't have them in the top 25. But you look at Tennessee, they got a, they got four of their five starting offensive linemen coming back. They have a lot of talent at coming back to skill positions. They're they one of the few teams that actually has players coming back at every every level of the defense. Almost every team in the East loses almost their entire starting defensive line. Yeah, And the East and the West both are dealing with a lot of just like – I'm talking like whole defensive line starters are gone. Tennessee doesn't have as much of that issue. But also here's the thing that helps them too. They get Florida at home. They get Bam at home. They get Kentucky mm-hmm. at home. They get Missouri at home. Their road games, obviously, they play at LSU, who's down this year, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, they play at Georgia, which is a, a battle. And then they have South Carolina and Vanderbilt on the road. Now, to me, all those games, except for Georgia, they play on the road are teams that I think they have better roster than. Yeah. So I could see Tennessee being a team that kind of sneaks up a little bit on people this year. Uh, and, and maybe we're going in November saying, you know what, if Georgia drops another one, Tennessee's rolling, Tennessee may be able to catch them. I yeah. think that's the only team that I think right now has a chance to kind of jump up and 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 I'm not predicting it. I'm predicting Georgia to to yeah. win the East, but let's just say I won't be nearly as shocked this year as I would have maybe been in the past. Yeah, to see him win that, you know, to see them win that. So yeah. Tennessee is my number two team. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. They don't play Georgia head up. No, they play Georgia head up at on the road. At, yeah, what I meant to say is that they get Alabama at home. That's going to right. be very interesting. And they have given Bama a battle. They have played Alabama tough several yeah. times in recent years. I'm very interested in that game. And the reason I'm interested is because it probably connects to who I have as the number two in the West mm-hmm. and how they performed against Bama right. last right. year. Similarly, with having a very good quarterback right. that's coming back that can make an impact. That's right. going to be key. To see how they match up because the way they play Bama, they play Bama before they play Georgia, if I'm not mistaken, right? right? Uh, Tennessee, yes. Yes. Yeah, a couple weeks before. Yeah. 
That yep. for me is going to be a litmus test for how I look at that that Georgia game. Yep. Because as of right now, I think they have a chance in that Georgia game, even though it's on the road. Right. Look, Georgia. Same thing that you and I talked about before that game last year. Yeah. It's Georgia's past defense was not great last year. No. And they lost mm-hmm. Lewisine. They, I mean, mm-hmm. Keely Ringo comes back, but he's just one guy. Right. And you know, if Tennessee can find a way to to get some big plays, I mean, yeah. I, it, it, that could be an interesting game. That's the but key. even if they lose to Georgia, yeah. every other conference game they have is winnable, except Alabama at home. But again, that's yeah. a big rivalry game. That's yeah. I would argue Tennessee's. That's te- considered Tennessee's biggest football rival, correct? Mm-hmm. Not Kentucky, yeah. it's Alabama, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's going to be an interesting, interesting battle for sure. I, I'm really curious. And then then you get to the battle for the number three spot. And I actually think there are three teams that could maybe sneak into this role, but really two for team. sure, yeah. two for sure. Yeah. Uh, and obviously right now you and I both have Kentucky number three. I love, love what Mark Stoops is building in Kentucky. And he's got some talent coming back too. Here's my big question, Sean. Last year, Kentucky benefited a lot, in my opinion, uh, from the changes that their offensive coordinator brought to the mix. Mm-hmm. I thought they were much more capable of going out there and scoring. The year before, in 2020, they averaged 21.8 points per game. Last year, they averaged 32.3. That's a that's an 11-point jump in one year. They bring a lot of talent back, but losing their offensive coordinator to the Rams, that's the one big question mark that I'm curious to see how Kentucky can overcome that. Can they keep the offensive growth rolling mm-hmm. uh, to, to really um, – to, to get to that point. And I'm going to tell you what, it's a big year for him too, because you just got into a verbal public spat with John Calipari in the basketball program. You can't, you can't respond with a, with anything less than a good season. Absolutely. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. And they, the schedule treats them really well. Yes. Like their crossover draw was the state of Mississippi. They get Mississippi state and Ole Miss, but the big game on the road at Tennessee, that's, that's going to be the game of the year for them. If they win that game, they could climb up to that two spot. They they have a shot. I don't think they get there because I do right. think there are matchups with teams right behind them that are going to be tough with them. They're going to have a matchup with Florida that's going to be tough. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. But definitely they have an opportunity that the schedule allows for them to possibly become the second best team in the East. Yep. I think the thing about Kentucky too is like you know even before you kind of get to that Tennessee game on the road the part of the reason I have Tennessee ahead of Kentucky is even though I think Tennessee probably returns a little bit more proven ability and they were ahead of they were ahead of Tennessee last year I believe correct didn't yeah. uh, I'm gonna look at that now I thought that I thought Kentucky finished second in the East did. last year correct yes they did they were five and three they finished one game ahead of Tennessee this is why you say whenever you're making predictions it's not always just about who you think necessarily has the best team coming back. It's what does their schedule say? And they were one game ahead of Tennessee last year. We just read Tennessee's schedule, right? Well, they got not only does Kentucky have to play at Tennessee, but they have to play at Florida and at Ole Miss. So they caught a break by not getting Bama, but they got to play Georgia at home, which I don't, I I think Kentucky's a, Georgia's a bad matchup for Kentucky. Like football's a game of matchups. Tennessee matches up against Georgia better than Kentucky does, even though Tennessee may not be you know, the dominant matchup over Kentucky. Right. But I do think that you have to look at it and see the the schedule is to me for Kentucky was the, was ultimately the reason why I decided to kind of go away from it. And look, Kentucky lost to Tennessee last year at home. Yeah. 
And and you know, so so I do think that they're not they're they're not a great matchup for Tennessee either, but they match up better. So the Florida game to me, Sean, in week two is going to tell us a lot about this battle for the number three spot in this division. Because Florida's <laughs> the next team for both of us. Like South Carolina, I think, is kind of lingering down there. They got Spencer Rattler, who we think is overrated, but still a good quarterback. You know, you got the tight end from Oklahoma. He's recruited well. Uh, they've got some talent coming back, really good running back coming back. You know, so South Carolina's lingering. But I think right now Florida still has – this is a team, Sean, two years ago was in the SEC title. Like, yeah. I know they were – trash last year yeah. but this isn't a team devoid of talent it just was one of those years where like everything went bad I think Dan Mullody created a very toxic environment because of some of the coaches he kept around and didn't get rid of it was just it was a train wreck if we're going to be honest about it but Florida didn't all of a sudden stop having talented players I mean they're still gonna have players the question is is can can uh Billy Napier write the ship sort of just from a what's the character of your football team standpoint I yeah. think that's going to be the bigger question mark for me. As I previously stated, there's a lot being put on the shoulders of Anthony Richardson. So much that I'm uncomfortable for the young man to have that much pressure on him mm-hmm. and expectation. I think by the time September's done, Billy Napier might be regretting taking the Florida job. Like <laughs> Utah, Kentucky, and Tennessee in the yeah. month of September. He's going to learn a lot about his football man, team in that first month of the season. You think? Yeah, especially going up against Utah when the trenches is where he's thin at. Right. Like they have problems. Mm-hmm. You know, they do return Cox Jr., you know, who's a fantastic pass rusher. But the interior, they have some questions. But like you said, the talent's there. Right. So they're going to have guys, I think, that can make plays. But that offensive line struggled last year. Mm-hmm. You know, May Richardson the, almost not even try to go through his progression. Yeah. You know, just become a runner immediately. By the time you hit your back foot, I'm looking to run. And if they don't correct that, you know, his development yeah. is gonna is going to be stunted. He's talented, he can make plays. That's the key play. though for their whole season, That's right? Sean? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, he's getting a lot of hype, and, and I yeah. get it. Big arm, athletic, you know, yeah. great frame. He's like, you know, if you're gonna build a quarterback in a lab for what he's going to look like physically, like That's Anthony guy, Richardson's right? kind of close to that guy, right? You yeah. know, but and, – and the thing, too, is I thought they did him a huge disservice last year. How are you going to throw a kid on the field for his first career start against Georgia? Georgia. <laughs> you know, like your team is struggling. Exactly. You can't protect yeah. the quarterback. You're going to throw him in there against Georgia, and you're like, oh, he didn't play well. Shocker. You know, and, and then they didn't, you know, and then they didn't stick to him the way that they should have, in my opinion. And, you know, he obviously got to stay healthy and all that. But, like, to me, that's a really interesting one for me because when I look at, when I look at just kind of how the season went or how the season's going to go, if he, he's going to have to live up to the hype for Georgia, for Florida to get to that point. Cause, like you said, the schedule is not easy. You know they they do not they do not play an easy schedule in two thousand and in two thousand and twenty one and obviously yeah. or two thousand twenty two you talk about Utah Kentucky at Tennessee in the first month yeah. uh, they, they Missouri's given them problems in recent years LSU they have obviously at home that should be when you got Georgia you got Texas A and M on the road and you got to play at Florida State and the, Florida State's an ascending team in my opinion and we'll talk about them a little bit more when we get to the ACC battle uh, but Florida State's an ascending football team. So you've got to go to Florida State. So ten, that's my big issue with Florida is I just don't know 
how I mean they got to survive the month of September, as you mentioned, Sean. If they can survive the month of the September, then I think they'll have a shot. But that bat that game against Tennessee, the, the game against Kentucky, the week after they play Utah, is gonna tell me a lot about the culture that Billy Napier is building at Florida. And because win or lose, they're gonna get punched in the mouth against Utah. And, and are they, first of all, are they going to punch back? Number one, if they win the game, can you keep them locked in and focused to go play Kentucky the next week? Utah's a top 10 team preseason. If you lose, can you get them to bounce back? That's why I say, we said this about Notre Dame. You don't just learn about your team from victory or defeat. You learn about your team, no matter the outcome in regard to how you respond the next week. So I think that's to me going to be interesting about how where they are because again we think they're battling for that three four spot i personally think there's a gap between number two and the next two i think tennessee is further away from three and four this year than 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 maybe kentucky was last year obviously i think there's two teams clearly better than everybody else and then one team kind of better than everybody in the east i think three four and five is the battle i could see florida finishing third i could see florida finishing fifth and i could see florida going into november with like if you don't win this game you know, against South Carolina, or, you know, you know, A and M on the road in South Carolina. If you don't win both of those games, you could be battling for the sixth spot. Sixth spot, yeah. You know, yeah. so uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how he does. And you know, sometimes in a program like that, if you don't start off well, you may never get the time and patience to turn it around. And you know? a lot of times, you just don't understand. You, you, do. You've been there inside of programs. I don't think fans really understand because they're so used to the brand and the name Florida mm-hmm. and what they've been used to in SEC action. But you really don't know what the foundation of that program looks like after what you just described right. on the damn mullet. Like, right. you know, there might be some foundational things that are going to take a little bit longer right? to actually get rid of, remove, and build and lay. Yep, That might be a little bit more than this season. You know, so Billy Napier has to decide, do I stay true to what's here and to myself and properly build? Like, he's trying to win every football mm-hmm. game. And that this – how do I explain this? Because I'm not trying to make it seem like coaches punt on seasons. That's not – that's not what I'm saying. There's more important things than doing whatever it takes to win every yes. game on Saturday. You're trying yes. to establish a culture. Well, the overall culture right. of, of the program. Right. And and. Like you said, we just don't know. Only Billy Napier knows and his coaches. And like you said, the first the month of September is going to show them a lot. And it's really going to give them a true answer to what they have mm-hmm. and who they are and what they need to continue to do moving forward in the 22 season. I think that's going to be that's going to be a factor in that race as yeah. well. Like because you just don't know where that program is. Yeah. You know, and it might take a little bit more than just walking in and bringing some transfers in and bringing in a nice recruiting class. No, it's it's a little more than that. Right now, I have number five is South Carolina. And I want to talk about two teams together, Sean. I want to talk about five and six together. Okay. You had Florida fourth, correct? Yeah. And then we had South Carolina and Missouri fifth and sixth. Where did you have Missouri on that one? I have Missouri sixth because I actually give South Carolina – because I I really like the job that Shane Beamer 
did last yeah. year. I think if you watch that program closely and like the games they were in against some good teams, I, I like what he's establishing. I like the yep. way he's running this program. They competed. And, and I think, yo, look, it's not like Spencer Rattler hasn't shown that he could be right. a good He's not a bum. No. He was overrated as like a five-star number one player, yeah. Heisman, but he's a good quarterback. Yeah. And he's certainly better than what they had last year. And they were a mess. They had to get a GA to like, you know, who's going to coach that year to come and play quarterback for him. Absolutely. To me, what I like about South Carolina is they had no business, no business, in my opinion, going seven and six last year. None. Like, I, 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 I agree with you wholeheartedly. They had no business going seven and six last year. Yeah, okay, they benefited from, you know, Auburn was down. But, look, they beat Florida 40-17. to 17. They beat Auburn. You know, they, they battled at Missouri. You know, they, 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 they competed against Kentucky. And if you go back and watch the game, they didn't, like, they kind of, I mean, Georgia pulled away from them. It's not like they went into that game just, like, scared of Georgia. They just didn't have, you know, they just didn't have the players to, to play with them. Yeah, you know, but but that was a team that it, and then beat North Carolina convincingly in a bowl. I mean, they out coached, out played, out hit, just stomped North Carolina in that game last year, Sean. Yeah, yeah. I really like what Shane's doing. They they play tough, and they're gonna have more talent this year because they yeah. they got some transfers in, and they he brought he and the one thing Shane Beamer's no one has ever questioned about Shane Beamer ever in his career as a coach. Ah, did he get this job because of his dad? Blah blah. The one thing he has proven without a doubt, he can recruit. Mm-hmm. I mean, he can recruit. Yeah, and and so they're they're bringing in more talent, and and Missouri's a, an interesting team too because, you know, Elijah Drinkwitz is his really good offensive mind. They're bringing in a really talented recruiting class. I mean, you got Luther Burden coming in. I mean, you've got Sam Horn coming in at quarterback. Although I don't I mean he's not going to start this year. Probably Brady Cook, I believe, is going to start. But I'll say this, of all the teams in the SEC, Missouri is the one I have the hardest time evaluating because I just don't know what to expect. There are some games last year I'm like, wow, he's really got this program rolling. And then other games you're like, what in the world are they doing? And it was very kind of bizarre, just really kind of watching it. And there's talent there, but there just seems to be sometimes a little something missing from them. And, you know, one week they look like world beaters. The next week they just – they can't – they can't do simple things. This is a big year for him because I honestly expected, and maybe this is unfair to them. Maybe this is sort of was a my miss my my issue. I just expected a lot more of Missouri last year. I just thought they were going to be better, and to go six and seven to me was, and then to lose to Army in a bowl game was was really like wow. Like every other game, I understood. Yeah. They lost that ball. They shouldn't have lost to Boston College without Phil Dracovic. That's a bad loss, but it's at an ACC team. Fine. You lost to Kentucky by a touchdown. It's a good football team. You, you lost to Texas A&M at home. Okay, fine. But you got blown out. Yeah. And Texas A&M wasn't that good last year. You got blown out at you know by Tennessee, sixty-two to twenty-four. You got smacked by Arkansas. You got destroyed by Georgia. Uh, you know, so like where South Carolina battled, Missouri didn't compete against Georgia last year. You know, and, and then you bounce back and you beat South Carolina and Florida. It just they're such a Jekyll and Hyde team. I just like I feel like there's something missing there. And I don't know what it is. And it could just be me and my expectations were too high, and that was unfair on my part. Yeah. But I just really feel like there's something missing. But I mean, look, it, it all sets up. I mean, they got they got a lot of guys coming back on defense. 
I think they got like three three stars come back in the offensive line. They got Luther Burden, who was a five star receiver last year. Uh, they got DJ Wesselak. I mean, they had a really good recruiting class last year. They got some transfers coming in. You know, it, it just to me, it's just one of those things where I just have no clue what to expect from Missouri. And uh, you know, it just I, I I don't know what to expect. So like, I could see them if it's if we're just talking if we're just ranking this by talent, I could see Missouri getting as high as third or fourth. Yeah, if they can figure out the quarterback's the big thing, right? Like they need yeah. somebody to step up a quarterback. Yeah, and that's but, why I give South Carolina the edge with yeah. coaching, recruiting, quarterback. Yep. Yo, the two running backs they have coming back. The, yeah. only, the only thing that makes you feel like they're starting the season 0-2 is their crossover schedule. Yeah. The fact that they get Arkansas and Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, I think they could be a team that pulls the upset on Texas A&M. Yeah. Just the way they play. I yeah. really- I really yeah. believe that. So, look, Missouri, man, that, that staff might – you talked about it, I think, last week or two weeks ago. That staff may be on the hot seat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ryan – that was Ryan Roberts. Yeah, Ryan Roberts. Yeah, he yeah. pointed it out. Yeah. He, and then here's now my counter-argument. Well, not counter-argument. Here's the big question for me. We're going to know by week five who both of these teams are. Yeah. Missouri and South Carolina can't hide. Missouri gets Louisiana State Tech in the first game, yeah. right? So, yeah, it's a Louisiana Tech's a, a quality program. It quality should be program. a convincing win, right? Week two, they go at Kansas State. We're going to learn something about Missouri that week because Chris Kleiman's got that's a good Big 12 program. Yeah. And you got Abilene Christian at home. And you go at Auburn. If you're making a jump this year, Auburn, you want to talk about the, the dumb. We've talked about several SEC teams are dumpster fires this year. There is no bigger one than Auburn right now. Am, am I wrong? Poor Brian Harson. Yeah. Well, you know, he brought some of this on himself. Yeah, he uh, did. You he know, did. And, and then yeah. the next week you play Georgia at home. And then the next week you play Florida. Drinkwitz is either going to have that team like four and two at worst. And hey, they're in heading the right direction or he's done. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of how I feel. He's at that kind of a – and that says – that's kind of crazy to say for a guy that's in, like, what, his his third year, yeah, right? But there's been enough red flags to where if you go out and you you get embarrassed by Kansas State and you get you, – you, they, they could conceivably be two and four at one point in time, Sean, with wins over Louisiana Tech and Abilene and then losses at K-State, at Auburn, at Florida, and home against Georgia. Yeah. If they're two and four at that point, they don't recover. The, the, on the other side, you have South Carolina, who kind of has a similar start to the season, but they have a little bit more worked in. Georgia State in the opener should be a win. Then they play at Arkansas and then home against Georgia. It would not be a shock and actually would be predicted, in my view, that they're going to be one and two to start the season. Here's the difference. The next two weeks, they play Charlotte and South Carolina State. Mm-hmm. They get they, – they that to me is how you schedule when you're trying to build a program. When you're when you're at the bottom and you're trying to build that thing up, you schedule teams like Georgia State, Charlotte, and South Carolina State non-conference. Yeah. Right. Now, yeah. once you build up, you don't keep playing them. Right. And that was our Bryles' mistake. He kept playing those teams when he got Baylor going. <laughs> right. You know, it's like okay, you're good now. You don't have to keep playing those teams. Um, but that's smart. And then they go at Kentucky, and then back-to-back home games against A&M, Missouri at Vandy, at Florida, home against Tennessee, at Clemson. So, like, their schedule fa- sets up much more favorably than Missouri's. And that is another reason why I went ahead. But 
it, Missouri's going to Missouri's going to have a lot to answer for. I mean, they're going to have they're going to have to come out right away and be ready to play because their yeah. first six game stretch is brutal, brutal. Vanderbilt number seven, uh, love Clark Lee. He's got a long. He's got the worst roster in the SEC, and it's not close. Now, okay. he, I think he's put together a good coaching staff. I really do. I like Larry Black. You know, I, yeah. obviously my friend Justin is coaching on that staff. He's made some really good hires. He's moved on from hires that weren't good. I think quickly, smart, but man, he inherited a bad roster. And although their first recruiting class was pretty decent for them, it's not like a one that puts them on the map. They, they, they're 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 a, they're a long way away, Sean. It, it, that is a complete rebuild. I mean. They were uh, they were not very good last year. That's being nice. I mean, they lost East Tennessee State by twenty. And you're talking you about know? a program that four years ago was promising. Yeah, like really starting to yeah. turn things around and compete. Yeah, and the wheels just fell off. Yeah, just... the, 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 this is wild, Sean. They lost by twenty to East Tennessee State. They lost by eighteen to Stanford. Yeah. Stunk. Lost by 62 to Georgia, 42 to Florida, 39 to Mississippi State, 17 to Kentucky, 14 to Ole Miss, 24 to Tennessee. They had two close losses. They lost by nine to Missouri and one at South Carolina. Their two wins were were a three-point road win over Colorado State and a two-point home win over UConn, who's terrible. They got outscored last year 189 to 430. They got a long way to go, a long way to go. So they were they were one of only three. The, the next two teams in the conference that got outscored in the year, Sean, South Carolina got outscored in the year by 18, and Missouri got outscored by 62. Like They got outscored by 241, like if that gives you any indication of how bad they were last year. So we don't need to spend a whole lot more time on Vanderbilt. They're really bad, and they're going to stay bad. Uh, for this year, but I do think they're at least recruiting well, and they have well, some good coaches. What year was that they walked into Notre Dame and almost eighteen? That pulled up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they were tough, man. They, yeah, you really thought the program was going to take a turn for the better, but yeah, Derek Mason just couldn't build on it. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. e- even that game, like they lost Notre Dame, thinking, wow, they they battled Notre Dame, but then the next week they went on the road or they went back home and at, against South Carolina at home got beat by twenty three. Yeah. You know, and then the week after that, they beat Tennessee State by four. So it was kind of like fool's gold a little bit. Yeah. You know, they really weren't that good. And then they got to a bowl game against Baylor and got beat. And then the next year, they went three and nine. And then after that, they went 0 and nine the next year, and he was done. At that point in time, he was done. So, and and he didn't, there were some things he did that didn't necessarily ingratiate himself. You know, it's like, okay. It's like almost, I was like, if he wanted to get fired, would he have done anything different? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, you kind of wonder that. Let's move on to the West, Sean. Let's do it. Alabama is the number one team in the in the division in the in the West. There's no doubt. Alabama. I'm fine with people putting Alabama number one preseason in the net top twenty five. We'll, we'll do a top twenty five show before the season starts. I personally would have Georgia number one just because you know my stance. I'm a believer in you know you're the champs until somebody until beats somebody you, beats you right. Yeah. And that's just so it's it's not that I think Georgia's the best team. It's just that's a philosophy that I have. Right. But if somebody's going to put Alabama number one, I'm good with it. Right. Now, Alabama has some question marks. And so th- this is the thing. There's this assumption Alabama's just going to steamroll everybody. And, and that may happen. But I do think there are some question marks for me for Alabama. Number one, offensive line. T- there's 
one good thing and one bad thing happened to them this offseason. The bad thing, they lost some really good players from their offensive line, especially Evan Neal, who was a, a high draft pick. Yeah. The good news is I actually think they upgraded with the offensive line coach. I was not a big fan. You know this. I was not a big fan of the Doug Marone hire. I thought that was a bad hire. I, yeah. I, I did. Yeah. And and the reason I thought it was a bad hire is because that guy had been an NFL head football coach and a Division One head football coach. He was coming to Alabama to kind of get back to being an NFL football coach. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I just didn't see that as being a, a, a move that was necessarily a, a, a great move. And I don't think their offensive line played great last year. I think they just were really talented. But I don't think they necessarily played great. They played – you know what? You know what the funny thing is? You're right. I don't think they played great at all, but they had back-to-back really good games in the SEC championship game and yeah. then the semifinals against Cincinnati. Like, yeah, but the, the SEC title game, yes, to a degree. Cincinnati was as much about uh, what is Cincinnati doing yes. as much as it was them playing well. Yeah. But then you look at the new coach, Eric Wolford, who at Kentucky – built some really good offensive lines with not having the talent he's going to have at Alabama. I mean, Kentucky had what two or three offensive linemen get drafted last year. Kentucky. Yeah. yeah. You know, and they were, they got a couple of really good linemen coming back. Like that was a big loss. And we didn't talk about that during the Kentucky segment. Cause we, I knew we'd talk about it here, but I think that's an upgrade receivers. An interesting story. Like Ryan and I have talked a lot about this. He really likes Jermaine Burton, and I think Jermaine Burton's a good player. I think he's going to put up good numbers. But to me, he's not Jamison Williams. He's not John. He's not John Mechie. He's not definitely not Devonte Smith. And then after that, it's kind of like, what do you have after? You got Tyler Harrell who wrote a four one eight or whatever Bruce Feldman said in his freaks thing. Well, he had seventeen catches last year. You know, like he couldn't become an. I mean, is he a track guy that, or is he a receiver? Which which one is it? You know, you've got that. You know, young freshman and sophomore classes that are talented, but they didn't really get the, they didn't really show much last year. You just had uh, JoJo Early just got hurt early like this week, so he's out. Yes, you have Cameron Latou coming back. You lost some running backs, but you know they they got Jameer Gibbs transferring in. You still got Jason McClellan. You still got Trey Sanders. Like they're they're very talented on offense, but it just it's one of those things where. Are they are they going to just steamroll everybody? I just I don't necessarily see that, and I, and everybody's just assuming they're going to have the best defense of college football this year, and that's the thing I don't get. I think they have some individually great players, but I think as a whole, Alabama's got some question marks, especially in the secondary. Well, they got this guy, this guy. Well, they had those guys last year, and they still weren't very good in the secondary. They had those guys two years ago. Plus, you had uh, Patrick Sertan. And you still weren't a real good secondary. Did you see what Kyle Trask did to them in the, you know what I mean, in the semifinal game? The thing that saves them defensively is it really might not matter because you may not have enough time to throw because you're not only going to have, uh, uh, I always forget his name, uh, the the defensive end, Will Anderson. Will Anderson. I always want to call Dallas him Turner. Williams. I always yeah. want to call him Tim Williams for some reason. You have him on the other side, but now Dallas Turner steps into more of a full-time role. Yeah. And that is about as of, of, a, of an athletic edged combo as you're going to find, in my opinion. Like, you are – teams might not have enough time to actually take advantage of the weaknesses. Right. Like that – they might be that dominant with the pass rush and the front four. Mm-hmm that you can't go at the safeties. Right. You can't go with those at McKinstry right. who struggled as a defensive right. back. And 
I don't know if he makes that much of a leap, but they're still going to be young on the back end. They're not big at their linebackers. Maybe you can line up and be physical. But it's just a lot because, you know, they'll move Will Anderson inside. Right. In certain situations. Right. And just take, depending upon the offensive line they're going up against, like they search out the mismatch for him to see right. whether he can wreck the run game or wreck the passing game. And right. that's one of the most, it's like anybody else. You trust Nick Saban. That, that's really what it's all about. Like they mm-hmm. lose talent, they get talent. What really sits there is that you trust Nick Saban right. to have his team ready. And right. if they slip up, right. more than likely – they go on a run after that loss. Oh, yeah. So yeah. they might lose a game. They're capable of losing a game. We didn't expect them to lose to Texas A&M, right? And th- that's been the weird thing over the years with Nick Saban. Like, they never lose. The- like, they win every game that's, like, a, the, the big games. Like, they yeah. win almost every one. They've had a couple against Auburn. But other than that, they it's always like, the, like they lost at home to Ole Miss. Yeah. Really? They lost to Texas A&M? Who's Johnny Manziel? You know, it's like that kind of thing, right? It's it's losing last year to Texas A&M. Like, if you'd have gone through the schedule, I don't think that would have been – especially with all the trash talking that Jimbo Fish was doing during the offseason. Like, I right. thought they were going to go down to college station and just curb stomp Texas A&M. They always have those weird games like that, you know. But I still do think that, yes, they're not the – here's my point. They're not the program they were five, six, seven years ago. They're just not that much head and shoulders better than everybody else. But I still think they're – probably like right now i'd say they're probably the team that i'm yeah. if i had to pick a team to win it all they'd yeah. probably be my pick right now and a big part is because i'm really high on bryce young and i think he broke out a year ahead of his schedule i thought he was gonna be good last year like pretty in numbers would be really good yeah but he was so much more poised than i thought and he's always a smart kid but he just looked a different level of poised he just you know we talked about that it thing and bryce is just special mm-hmm. you know and, and it's not like the receivers i have questions about are bums they're not. They're really good football players. It's just, are they going to be quite as good as they were then? They lose some line. It's just, will those little things kind of stack up to maybe catching a loss? Yeah. But even if they lose, they're still going to win the West. You you want guys like that in your program. You can talk about the talent of Dallas Turner. And, and I'll point back to this. People that watch our show have probably seen me mention it or heard me mention it multiple times. Look. Bryce Young came in and battled for the starting job and felt like he should have been the star. Mm -hmm. He didn't pout. He didn't act like a brat. He didn't act like someone that was entitled. Mm -hmm. And he could have been. He was the number one player in the country. Absolutely. He went and everything that he heard Mac Jones did, he did it. Mm -hmm. He hopped in the film room and watched every piece of tape twice, just like Mac Jones. He put in just as many throws, just like me. He raised his level to the expectation of Alabama football. And it's kind of like what we're talking about now. Like, you can come in. I don't care how good you were in high school. This is a totally different beast. Right. Like, this, the level of football we play here, now you have to come up to that level. Mm-hmm. And he took on the challenge. And I think that's why you saw that poise. Right. Because he was challenged by the internal workings of the program. And when you have a program that can challenge your freshmen to elevate themselves, Mm -hmm. to get to that level, just to get on the field, what are they going to face on a Saturday that's tougher than that? Right. You know, and that's the process Marcus Freeman is trying to take his players through. Like, 
I'm trying to get you guys to this level. If you can get here right. in fall camp. The talent know. takes over at yes. that point. Yeah. 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 The talent takes over at that point. Who's your number two, Sean? I've got Arkansas oh, number easily two. Easily Arkansas. Yeah. Easily Arkansas. Like their Which, loss to Alabama was so impressive. Man. I don't understand. I really don't understand how people can watch those Alabama and Arkansas go through last season and come to the conclusion that somehow Texas A&M should be ranked higher than Arkansas this year. I do not understand it. I I really don't. Incredible job. I mean, they, they even, I mean, look, it's not all about the matchup you had against each other. It's not, it's not, but like they had identical records last year and in the game they played, they absolutely dominated Texas A&M. You know, you look at their losses. They had, they had really one bad loss. That was the home loss to Auburn. You, You lost by 15 home to Auburn. That was a bad loss. Yeah. And that came right a week after you had lost. Uh, fin- I mean, you lost at Ole Miss 52-51. I don't know if you watched that game last year, Sean. That was one of the more entertaining games of the season. Alabama outplayed Arkansas for 60 minutes. Like, there was never a doubt that Bama was going to win. But I love the fact that every single time Bama was ready to pull away, Arkansas would claw back in the game. Yeah. And I, and I gained a lot of respect. And then how do you bounce back from that loss to Bama? You go out the next week and you smack Missouri in the mouth on short notice. It was a Friday game. It was on short note. It was on or short preparation. I should say not short notice, short week of practice. And then you go into the bowl game and you convincingly beat Penn state. It wasn't a great football team, but you convincingly beat Penn state. Georgia was not a bad loss. They got stomped, but I mean, you know, they got, it is what it is. And then they thoroughly outplayed Texas. So I just don't understand why people are looking at Texas A&M and thinking that that they somehow should be uh, uh, ranked higher than than Arkansas, it does not make a lot of sense to me. It really doesn't. It was. It's interesting you say that because matchups make fights, right? Mm-hmm. And I think they had the matchup to be effective. They want to be physical and establish the line of scrimmage, and then they had Trayvon Burks, which is mm-hmm. a big play guy. And they wanted to take advantage of you, play action and with movement in the pocket. And that, when they had time to throw against Alabama, they were able to make chunk plays against that secondary that was available. Like, you can make big plays against that Alabama secondary last year if you were able to execute and give your quarterback time to throw and you had a quarterback that could go ahead and make the plays. Uh, He also made plays with his legs off schedule, which always hurts Alabama defenses Mm -hmm. historically. And that reminds me of the way we talk about Arkansas is the way we kind of talked about Penn State previously in the Mm -hmm. Big Ten preview. Like, you know, just really, you know, look at the way they play at Ohio State. Like, if they can get things together, their quarterback comes back healthy, everything stays the way it is, they just – they didn't match up with Georgia. Right. Right, because trying to establish yourself. They're a physical yeah. smash-mouth football team yeah. that is playing a team that's that way too, but they're yeah. way more talented. Yeah, than it's just a bad matchup. It's, right. it's a bad matchup. So before they could even get to their play-action, you know, pocket-moving game, right? they couldn't even establish the foundation of what they wanted to right. do and just got behind and then had to throw and everything, you know, was just up in the air after that point. But no. They are 
in my opinion, much better because of Sam Pittman and the job that he's done recruiting. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sam Pittman has been in recruiting wars with Notre Dame recently, which says a lot about where he's taking that program. He actually won a battle in the class of 23, and he lost a battle in the class of 23. So, and his previous, his class is coming in is pretty good. So, yeah. you know, when you have the trenches on both sides, a quarterback, the difference is who's going to be that playmaker, right? Who's going mm-hmm. to step up and take the place of Trevon Burks, right. make those big plays. That's the big question. That's the big question. Yeah. And if they can find someone you know, to step up from that young receiving core, then they're going to be cooking with grease. Yeah. Not in Fayetteville. But I love KJ Jefferson. I do. Uh, he's too. not sexy. He's not going to like throw for 4,000 yards, oh. but man, the kid's just a, a gamer. Yeah. And that, that game against AM wouldn't have been com- as a competitive. He doesn't go down in that game when he got yeah. knocked out that, that, I mean, Arkansas was basically just like, look, we've, we've got this one. Here's the thing for me too, with them is, is they do have four starters coming back on the offensive line. They got Jadon Hazelwood, who transferred in from Oklahoma, who was a five-star recruit. He's got to get himself back on track. I never thought he was a five-star recruit, but he's got some talent. He's a kid that's got to step up and and fill that role. But Traylon Burks was a really good football player for them last year. The schedule's interesting, too, when you look at Arkansas. They start the season off against Cincinnati. That's going to tell us a lot. And then, really, the next three games, I mean, next two games, they're at home against South Carolina, home against Missouri State. I mean, with all – I mean, they should be 3-0 to start the season. Yeah. The next month is going to is gonna determine their season, Sean. They play Texas A&M and Arlington, right? So, okay, you got to continue establishing that dominance. Yeah. Then they play Alabama at home, right? That's going to be really interesting. Then they play at Mississippi State, at BYU, and then at Auburn. If they can get through that stretch with just two losses, they finish the season off at home against Liberty, LSU, and Ole Miss, and then at Missouri. <laughs> That's a sneaky 10-win schedule right there. If they can just survive that, they got to beat Cincinnati opener. That's a, I mean, that's that's the first question mark, right? Yeah. You yeah. should. And this isn't a knock on Cincinnati, but Cincinnati lost a ton off their football team. They did. And Arkansas has a lot coming back. And so if you win that game, you're 3-0, then it's the A&M game. If you can win that game, you're you're Arkansas could be cuz like I said, at if they're if they're 4-0 after Alabama, Sean, or I mean after, excuse me, Texas A&M. Alabama at home, at Mississippi State, at yeah. BYU, at Auburn, then home three straight home games against Liberty, LSU, Ole Miss and then at Missouri. They are a like I'm telling you, they're a sneaky 10-win football team this year if they can get through Cincinnati and AM with wins. And neither of them are, are road games. They get Cincinnati at home and AM in Arlington. It's a neutral site game for both of them. That's why Arkansas is my sneaky, my sneaky number two team in the conference this year. I don't think they're going to bat- challenge Bama, but I think they're a team, like meaning for the division, but I think they're a team that I'm really curious to how they're going to do this year. Very curious how they're going to do. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. 
Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And a and I'm just not a believer. They weren't that good last year. No. They lost most of their best players. Like Max Johnson's a nice quarterback if he can stay healthy, but like I just don't get – it's like they're the new Michigan. You know, it's like they predict Michigan like, ever since Harbaugh got there. This is the year Michigan turns the corner and is a you know great team. That's what AM is now. Yeah. How can you look at that? Well, they went nine and one. So you're gonna take that one anomaly in a year where they only played SEC teams and ignore the two years before and the year after. You're gonna, yeah. that's what we're that's what we're doing here now. Okay, makes total sense. You know, it, I just I don't get the, the the love fest with them at all. I really don't. I really don't. And I'm gonna tell you right now. It's not a lock. They're going to beat Miami in the third game of the year at home. It's not a lock. No. It's I agree. So Arkansas, look, I think KJ Jefferson is going to be so supremely confident yeah. this year. And Hazelwood might, might take that next step. He, he might. So I stopped short. I'm, oh, man. If it wasn't for Bryce Young, I would say they have a chance to upset Alabama. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for Bryce Young. Yeah. I, I just yeah. feel like that dude is – he can – it's very few quarterbacks that can care, pick a team up yeah. in the midst of a game and say, you know what, Yeah, get on my back. I also mm-hmm. think they're going to have a hard time protecting KJ for 60 minutes this year. Yeah. Like I, Arkansas has got a really tough – physical offensive line. I don't know if they can handle that edge for 60 minutes enough to win the game. Yeah. I I don't. I think yeah. the key for them is they're going to have to come out and establish the ground game. They're going to have to be able to run the ball. If they can if they can run the ball, if they can run at Bama, you know, um yeah. then I think they have a shot in in that. I do. Yeah. Uh, to to keep it competitive. And then maybe right. if there's a mistake, I mean it's going to require Bama to make some mistakes for Arkansas to win it. Right. A&M to me I think is is number 3. But I don't actually, you know what? Actually, I, I, I go away from that. I'm sorry. I don't have AM number three. Okay. I don't. And this is sort of my surprise pick because it's partly my a, a surprise pick of the West, but it's more about I just don't. And no one's talking about the fact they lost Mike Elko. No one's talking about that. They're just assuming that. And here's the other part about AM I think Alabama is going to so thoroughly destroy their soul when they play that. I don't right. think they're going to be able to recover. I don't. I think they're not only going to lose to Bama. I think they're going to lose the next week to South Carolina because they're going to be so thoroughly destroyed mentally and emotionally from what Alabama is going to do to them this year that I think they they lose the next week as well. Well, that's that's my that's my take on on uh, on Texas A&M. I also really like what Mike Leach is doing at Mississippi State. I think they're going to surprise some people this year. They got a quarterback coming back who's not super talented, but super productive. I think he's going to be better this year. Finally has some weapons to throw to. 
I think Mississippi State's going to surprise some people, and I have two reasons for that, Sean. Uh, number one, like I said, you're, you're now going into what? This is going to be Mike Leach's third season. So you have a system that they know. I think they were a play here, a play there last year from being a much better football team. They lost by three points at home to LSU. I still can't believe they lost that game. Alabama smacked them. They lost by three points at Arkansas. They lost by 10 against Ole Miss. It was a competitive-ish game. It's a weird game. And then lost it to Memphis, which was a weird game. But they beat AM at AM. They beat NC State by two touchdowns. NC State was a good football team last year. They beat Kentucky by two touchdowns. They smacked Auburn on the road. So I, I, I actually like what they're doing. I think they bring back enough this year on defense. I think they're going to get better on defense. And when I look at their schedule, they got Memphis at home to, on the opener, and then they play at Arizona. That should be 2-0, although Arizona, you know, I think it's going to be better. I like what Judd Fish is doing there. He's getting – I mean, it, there's nowhere to go but up, right? You know, but, I mean, how much up are they going to go? Then they're at LSU. That should be a W. That early in Brian Kelly's tenure, this is not an anti – I mean, Brian Kelly's he, – he's got a lot to overcome. I mean, there's that's legitimate. I mean, bash him and all that. We'll get to LSU. But they, that should be a win for Mississippi State. If they can't beat LSU that early in the season with all the issues going on with LSU, then they might be in trouble. But then they got Bowling Green at home. A&M at home and Arkansas at home before they go at Kentucky at Bama. Then they're back home, Auburn, Georgia, East Tennessee state before they go at Ole Miss. That's a much more favorable schedule in my opinion, than what, than what Texas A&M is dealing with this year. And, and when, so, you know, again, that factors into it as well. A&M this year, as I mentioned, they have Miami in week three uh, after playing Sam Houston state and app state. Then they're Arkansas on the road at Mississippi state at Alabama at South Carolina, home against Ole Miss in Florida, then at Auburn, and then they finish against UMass and LSU. Now, I will say this. If Alabama gets through the Florida game with two losses, I mean, if A&M gets through Florida with two to three losses, then I think that I'll change my opinion because they're going to finish up at Auburn, home against UMass, and home against LSU. So if they're at two losses after Florida, they're going to be number two in the in the West, in my opinion. But I think they're going to have more than two losses at that point in time. So – that's why I have Mississippi State ahead of AM. What is your three four at this point, Sean? You're muted. AM is my third team. Okay. You know, I'm just gonna go ahead and stick and just I think they're gonna be able to. I told you, I think South Carolina gets them. Mm-hmm. So I do expect an upset, but I think. I think they hold down the third spot, and and particularly because it's going to take LSU another year to really become a force in the West. Um, You know what? And a lot of people, and I say this, and I'm honest, man. One thing, you can say what you want to about Lane Kiffin. The dude can develop quarterbacks. Like, I do. He can get quarterbacks Mm -hmm. down there. Figure out how to make them really. When good. they got Jackson Dart, who That's was a highly ranked kid two years ago, transferring in from L- from USC. Absolutely. So yeah. I just really think he's going to find a way to get that offense to offense to produce. You know, and I understand what you're saying. I think one of the Mississippi schools schools jumps up and has an opportunity to bite Texas A&M and possibly get that third slot. But I think Texas A&M is able to do it. And then I have the Mississippi schools um, probably would lean to Ole Miss over Mississippi State mm-hmm. just because of 
I mean, both guys can coach the quarterbacks. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. I mean, what are you yeah. talking about? I just think I might take the talent at yeah. Ole Miss a little bit more than the talent at Mississippi State, but it's going to be very – I think both East and West in the middle are very volatile. It's going to be very volatile. Yeah. You're thinking it's a lot like – and I agree. I think the, you're thinking the West after Arkansas is going to be a lot like the East. There could be yeah. a lot of – Ole Miss is an interesting one because I have them fifth for a couple reasons, Sean. Number one is I don't think their schedule's uh, – their schedule's tough. I think yeah. you know yeah. for the, the draw they get this year is not great yeah. in my opinion. So, I mean, you go down through it. they got to play Troy, Central Arkansas, at Georgia Tech, Tulsa, Kentucky. Starts off well, Vanderbilt. But then the, the final six games are not – Auburn at home, at LSU. And the reason I say at LSU, now you're talking about six, seven games in. LSU should be kind of coming into their own a little bit. At A&M, home against Bama, at Arkansas, home against Mississippi State. Like, I could see them winning a bunch of those games. I could see them losing most of those games, too. Yeah. The problem for me with, with Ole Miss and why I have them lower, and, and I, they, they can end up probably maybe making me look bad a little bit. I do think the Jeff Lebby loss hurts. I do yeah. think Jeff Lebby is a, a good football coach, and I and I, don't, I think replacing him with Charlie Weiss Jr. isn't exactly – and this isn't a shot to Charlie Weiss Jr. He's you know good up-and-coming coach. But yeah. Jeff Lebby's just a better football coach right now yeah. at their stage in their careers. Yeah. Uh, so please don't take that as an attempt to disparage it's Charlie fair. Jr. I'm not yeah. getting into that stuff. I got no beef with, with what's going on there. Uh, Lane Kiffin's not hiring him as a favorite of Charlie Weiss. He clearly thinks the kid can coach. Uh, but Jeff Lebby's a better coach at this stage in their their coaching careers. Agreed. But I just feel like there's such a small margin for error with Ole Miss. I just don't. I still don't think they have necessarily the depth. They lost some really good players from their team last year. Um, they had a lot of wins. He did. Just, he did do a good job in the transfer portal. I think. They yeah, like but I don't. I don't know if Lane is capable of bringing a team together that's filled with a bunch <laughs> of transfers. That's kind of my thing. You know that's that's my concern. Is, is I like the I like the Zach Evans yeah. pickup at running back. Yeah. I oh yeah. 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 I like I like well, that pickup. And you know, like I said, that who was the they got a receiver. I, I'm completely drawing a blank. They got no Michael Trigg from USC. The yes, tight he's a tight offense. end. Yes, he yes. transferred in. Uh, this I think who's that receiver they got? They got two receivers: Jalen Robinson from UCF and yeah. Jordan Watkins from Louisville. Yes, Jordan Watkins is the kid I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So I just I just don't I don't have the confidence in Lane to be able to bring that all together. Yeah. Now the counter argument is he's got a lot of games to get right where they're going to be the better team, and I think that's where the schedule's favorable in that regard. It's just if they don't have it figured out by then, the end of the schedule's tough for a team that I don't think has great depth, and that's kind of my issue. But I, if Ole Miss finishes third, am I going to be shocked? No. If they finish second, would I be shocked? A little bit, a little bit, but I also wouldn't be shocked if they finish fifth, in my in my opinion. Six and seven, I have LSU six, Auburn seven. Yeah, I could easily see that flipping. I just feel like Auburn is just a mess right now, like yeah. an absolute mess. And I know the kid gets a lot of catches a lot of crap, but I thought Bo Nix was kind of coming into his own last year when he got hurt. I did. And, you know, they just utterly collapsed, collapsed down the stretch. I mean, just choked away that game. The Alabama loss showed me two things about, about Auburn, Sean. They still have good players, and they don't know how to play football. <laughs> like, just like little things like running out of bounds twice. The game was over. The game was over. The game was over. Yes. 
Yes. Running out of bounds twice. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I always felt like Bo Nix just never got the respect that he deserved as a player. I mean, he won them games last year and some of the games they lost, like the loss of Mississippi state, Bo played really well that game. Yeah. And, and then gets hurt. Just, I just don't feel like their roster's as good and they lost some players and he hasn't recruited very well. I just – I don't think their roster's capable of that. I actually think they still have probably better players top to bottom than LSU because LSU lost a ton of dudes from their team. Yeah. But say what you want about Brian Kelly, and I have a lot to say about Brian Kelly. I mean, his, his team is going to be better coached than Auburn. They will. They'll be more disciplined than Auburn. You know, I mean, he's and it's not just him. They got, you know, Mike Dembrock's a good football coach. Yeah. I liked his defensive coordinator hire. I really yeah. did. The house, yeah. the linebacker coach from Kansas City. I think he's a good football coach. I, I think that Brian Kelly is not going to take them beyond like to a championship. He's not that kind of coach. I think they're going to struggle because they don't have good talent. But I, I don't think that they're going to be like this, like they're not going to be like Auburn. Yeah, they're very similar roster-wise, but I have a whole lot more faith that Brian Kelly is going to get that team to play okay than I do that Brian Harson is going to get his team where it's going to go. Yeah, Yeah. this is a domino question. I know you probably can't give me a bullseye answer Mm because there are so many moving parts to it. If his master plan had worked and he got Marcus and Tommy to go to LSU. Where do you think you were ranked LSU? Oh, definitely higher. Yeah. Because I think they would have kept uh, a lot. They would have kept a lot of um, – they would have kept a lot of the guys that they lost. I think a lot of those guys – they would have kept – well, some of the guys uh, that they lost. So, you know, to me, Sean, that's kind of where I look at it. I think they have – they have, um, you know, I think Tommy with – I don't – here's the thing. Depends on whether or not Brian Kelly would have let Tommy kind of man- manage the roster. But here's the issue I have with LSU. He's doing the same crap at quarterback that that there that he's do- that he did in Notre Dame. He's giving like four guys equal reps. And, you know, it's like, who's the guy? And and it's just it's like, what are you doing? Like, this is the stuff you did in Notre Dame that never worked. You know, but he's going to have weapons. I mean, he's got one of the arguably the best receiver in college football. I mean, that kid's a monster. You know, they've got talent coming back at certain positions. They're going to be coached well. They're going to be a solid, sound, fundamental football team. I don't I don't know if he can keep control that Ross, that locker room. That's a question. LSU's a little bit of a different animal in that regard. But for me, Sean, I just feel like to me, there's there's just no doubt that their their football team uh would be a little bit more talented had Marcus especially came. I don't know if Tommy would have had the same impact because I don't know how many kids at LSU would have had any clue who Tommy Reese is. They should, but I don't know if they would. And and, and I think Mike Denbrock's a good football coach. I think Marcus Freeman would have – they would have won some of those recruiting battles down the stretch because in Coach House's defense, he was trying to – he was coaching in the playoffs during that period of time. You know, when Marcus Freeman's out recruiting for Notre Dame or would have been recruiting for LSU, he was out coaching in the playoffs. He, there was only so much he could do, and it's not like he had a head coach that was going to go on the road and, and do the work that he couldn't do, you know, because he was coaching in the playoffs. So I just feel like they would have kept better players and there'd be a no-brainer. I mean, I'd be talking about maybe LSU being higher than sixth. Yeah. 
you know, fifth yeah. or fourth because yeah. they would have kept some of those good players. And, and you know, but uh, – and Tommy would would have that offense, you know, innovative and all those type of things. So uh, – but Auburn to me is – I another part of the Auburn thing, Sean, is I don't think their head coach is going to be there all season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that to me is going to do one of two things. And, and this is what I don't know. Does that mean that they fall apart or does that mean that they rally? Because here's the issue with Auburn. Not only do they have all the issues, they have a brutal schedule. They start off with Mercer and San Jose State. Okay, that's fine. They got to play Penn State at home. You and I both think Penn State's going to be a better football team this year. Then they get Missouri at home, LSU at home. Then they play at Georgia, at Ole Miss, home against Arkansas, at Mississippi State, home against AM, home against Western Kentucky, and at Alabama. Like to me, those are some bad blowout losses on their schedule. And so by the end of Missouri, we're going to know if he's even going to have a job. If they lose to Penn State and Missouri, I think he's done. And I think that either, either they fire him or the rumblings are so loud that the players just start tuning them out because they're like, dude, you're going to get fired anyway. I'm not listening. Yeah. Yeah. A guy who I don't think they overly respect anyway from some things I've heard and you read and all that kind of stuff. And then if you're able to somehow survive that, you got to go back-to-back games against Georgia and Ole Miss. And then you come home for that nice little get-yourself-right game against Arkansas. And then you're back at Mississippi State. Then you're A&M at home. And then if you are able to survive all of that, you got to go to Tuscaloosa to end the season. So I just think Auburn's going to be in trouble. I think they're going to be in a lot of trouble this year. I forecast, I don't know about him not making it the full season, but it's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be turbulence. Yes. All year. Yeah. It's going to be pretty. He'll learn yeah. from this. Yeah. Hopefully he learns from this in life and in his coaching career. Yeah. Learn from it somewhere else. He'll learn yeah. from it and apply it at his next head coaching job. Because yeah. I yeah. and I don't think he necessarily wants to be. I mean, would you want to be there where that where you're surrounded by boosters who are just no, constantly it's trying con- to undermine it's you? And, right? Yes. Like yes. You fire me if you're gonna fire yes. me. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I'm not walking away right. to do you a favor. Right. Exactly. You don't want me here, let right. me go. Fire me and give me my my give me my money. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Give me my buyout. Yeah. And that's what he should do, yeah, to be honest with you. And uh, you know, to me, it's um yeah, I just I think they're going to struggle. Yeah. The the schedule, the turmoil, the talent's not as good as it has been. I mean, you're you're hoping you're going to ride TJ Finley to victories. Come on now, like that's not. And, and look, I love I love Tank Bigsby, you know. But I you know st- I still just can't get over him running out of bounds last year in that game. I just I still can't do it. But you know, you're talking about you know I mean LSU to me. We're talking about the quarterbacks that they need to figure out. I, I take all four of the kids and or all three of the kids in the battle at LSU over TJ Finley. Yeah, all three of them. I'll take Jaden Daniels. I'll take Nussmeyer. Who I'm trying to even think of the other kid that they have. I got Walker. I mean, I'll literally take any scholarship L- quarterback LSU has over over TJ Finley. Like he's bad. So I mean, yeah. you know, I just I. It's going to be interesting, and and as I said in a in a show yesterday, I believe the Auburn boosters have a insane lack of self awareness of who they are as a program, and respect for just decent human decency. And you don't realize how the Auburn program being what it is, and the LSU program being what it is, like how that really impacts right. recruiting. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, when you see programs like that down, that's when it's time to swoop in and really dig into those states, especially dig into Texas, Louisiana, and kids that would have gone to those schools, you know, they end up at Notre Dame or they end up at Ohio State. You know, they come north, you know. So you have maybe another year to maybe get on kids in 24. Yeah. But I think eventually LSU will get there. Sure. They'll build that fence around. Well, they just they just got Shelton Sampson the other day. They yeah. got Ricky Collins. Yeah. Uh, you know, but they're, they're going to lose more in-state battles than they have. But, I mean, look, Brian Kelly, I've had friends that he'll be fired by the third year. I just – I don't, I, I don't, I don't see that. He looks, He's a good I, head coach, man. He's a good coach. He's not a great coach. No. He pissed me off. He he doesn't deserve as much credit as he gets for Notre Dame. I, there's a lot of things about Brian Kelly I don't like. But Brian Kelly's won everywhere he's ever been. And it's not going to just all of a sudden change because of because I dislike him. Uh, you know, so I, I, this year is going to be tough for him, though. Yeah. Because the roster's just not good because of how many kids they lost. Yeah. And their schedule's brutal. You know, so – the key for me, it's kind of like we talked about earlier, Sean. I mean, you're talking about they play Florida State in in, in Superdome. That's not a given. That game's not a given. No. Then they two weeks later they play Mississippi State at home, not a given. At Auburn, home against Tennessee, at Florida, home against Ole Miss, home against Alabama, at Arkansas, home against UAB. Who, by the way, may, many people think may be a gimme. Uh, that team won ten games last year, or nine games last year. Excuse me. They went nine and four last year. Uh, they went six and three the year before that. Uh, nine and five the year before that. This isn't your typical crap non-conference late season blowout victory given. UAB is a good football team, and then you know then they end the season uh, against Texas A&M at Texas A&M. So the schedule is pretty rough too. So Brian Kelly is going to use a million excuses because that's what he does. But honestly, in this instance, a lot of them are going to be kind of yeah, he's not wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. he shouldn't use them, but he's not wrong. So, uh, but they're going to struggle this year. But as you said, that they'll they'll get they'll get they'll be all right moving forward. They'll be all right, but uh, they're not going to be the program people. They're not going to be what LSU fans think he's going to make them. That's what they won't be. But he's not going to be this four and eight team that gets fired in two years that Notre Dame fans think he's going to be. The only concern I have is if he doesn't kind of show something this year. We are talking about the SEC. We are talking about fan ba- uh, fan bases and boosters, group of boosters and donors that don't really see the world the way they should see the world. That's my only concern. You know what I mean? So I'm hoping he's shaking hands and kissing babies this year to pe- keep people on his good side because he's going to need patience that first year. Uh, I, he's going to need patience that first year. There's no doubt about it. I totally agree with that, man. <laughs>
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.